0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. What's up, shop for all things Leafs? I'm your host, Mike DiCephano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, host of Leafs Lunch. You can also catch me on Overdrive, known as Al's Brother. Hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. Leafs Nation. This was an absolute embarrassment of a weekend, and it sucks. It was a bad, bad weekend for the Toronto Maple Leafs. A couple of losses to some lesser opponents in the San Jose Sharks and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And to join me to talk about all that is my good buddy Dave Morrisuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Dave, what's going on, pal?
1: I was – when he said they had a bad weekend, I was like, well, what happened? I didn't hear anything.
0: Well, you you heard nothing, eh? You, yeah, I heard nothing. No, oh, so you just didn't watch? Clearly, because uh, oh, I
1: watched. I was I was in attendance on Friday. I, oh, I, yeah,
0: you were there. You're okay. So, so because you were there, let's start with Friday night's game, and then we'll break down we'll break down both games a little bit. And I mean, there's obviously some themes that are are showing up in in both games here. That that's becoming too much of a theme. At this point, now that we're six games in, a couple of games, they are like, "Ah, oh, it's a little too early." We're six games into this thing now. Uh, these slow starts, these bad habits—it's now becoming a, a bit of a concerning trend. Some of these slow starts for the players to the season, not not great. Um, we'll start with San Jose uh, first and foremost, I guess. Give me your your, your impressions from from being there live
1: uh well the impression was it sucks when the team scores the first gets scored on first yeah it's something you expect and that that's probably the tough part is that it's almost like you expect it to happen and like that shouldn't be a that shouldn't be a part of this leafs identity because of what they're supposed to be
0: well and, and they want to show up early which is the which is the tough part right like yeah. And I, I jokingly was saying to a buddy of mine, I was like, I don't really understand why they decided to have puck drop an hour earlier. They tend to start late anyways. They should have started the game at eight o'clock and gave them a chance right from the get-go. Now you start early. Now you're already two hours behind from when you normally get going. Like what, uh, what are you doing?
1: Oh my, yeah. The six o'clock start was a weird one. I know that I think apparently it had something to do with them traveling to the States. For yeah. Time, but even then six, like seven o'clock is, still early, in my opinion, when you consider a Friday night. Uh, that And it's funny because they were supposed to have another 6 o'clock start and they changed it. So thank God they did that.
0: Oh, they, they, it was
1: supposed to be Calgary, the Calgary yeah. game, right? And they changed that one. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. The, what, what I think really stood out to me the most was watching these guys live, you see who's doing things the right way and which players are not doing things the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear – when I heard Austin Matthews' comments after that game saying, you know, they really plugged the middle of the ice. It was really hard to, you know, get get to the middle, get to the hard areas. And I thought to myself, that first goal by Jason Spezza was created by absolute chaos and havoc in front of the net. Yeah. I'm not buying that excuse anymore. Look, they they go on the perimeter because that's where they believe that's, – that's how they like to play right now. That's the unfortunate part, I think. When you're watching the top six versus the bottom six, the top six just don't want. It, it, there's there's just a lack
0: of desire to go through the punishment. You're gonna you're gonna. Go I don't through. even. I don't even know if it's the top six. I think it's just that top line, man. Like, I, I will yeah. I would
1: say mostly the top line because like, I mean Tavares' goal, he was parked right in the front of the net. So and I, would, I
0: thought he he had a presence net front pretty well all game. Nylander's done a good job getting to the net. And then obviously Michael Bunting has, has made a living right. all season long. It's really just that top line. And, I mean, they're getting into the slot and getting chances. But the last two games, this weekend specifically, that was not happening.
1: No. and a lot has
0: been stuck around the perimeter. And that's just not a recipe for success. Nick Ritchie is how big? And, yeah, he'll, he'll they'll let him coast
1: around the zone do whatever he wants. He, there, I'm not I'm not seeing that intensity from him. There's a there's a lack of intensity for that line. If I'm gonna say what's the issue at that time, it's a lack of intensity. And someone's gotta do it. You know, he can't all not all all three can't just stay on the outside because the other team's gonna be like, We'll take outside shots. We'll let you take outside chances. Yeah, Austin Matthews can score a a goal, no, a few goals from the outside, but his bread and butter, if you've watched any of the goal highlights he's had. He's had quite a few where he's in that, you know, in the slot really close to the net. He will drive to the net. And I'm not seeing that. You have, you almost have to kind of bully your way to the net a little bit. And these guys are, Marner's smaller. Matt, Richie and Matthews have sides. There's no excuse why they're not trying for it. And look, if you push and you try it, the other team is more likely to take a penalty because they got to, they have to figure out a way to defend it. But when you go to the outside, you make it easy for them. Yeah, way too easy.
0: Yeah, and, and that's really been the – that was the issue of the weekend, right? That's been the theme. The game against Pittsburgh, I, I almost don't want to talk about it. I kind of just want to take a take a page out of Jalen Hurts' playbook. You know, when you take a deuce, you don't look at it and stare at it. You flush it and move on. That's almost how I feel like the Leafs need to look at that 7-1 loss in Pittsburgh, just flush it and move on, man. Like, that was just so, so bad. But the one against San Jose was was equally as frustrating to me just – Optically, you hadn't played in four nights and you're going up against a team that was on their night two of a back-to-back, played up against a tough Ottawa squad. And we know how tough Ottawa is to play against, right? So you figured, okay, Toronto should have it fresh legs. They haven't played in a while. San Jose, third game in four nights, night two of a back-to-back. You got to take advantage of this team early. And they didn't. Right? They didn't score in the first period. And then right away San Jose scores. And then they just, you know, the, the goal fountain erupted on both sides. Like we saw what five goals in that second period. Um when all when all said and done. But Michael Hutchinson was was brutal. Like, let's be honest. He looked more like the Hutchinson of, of twenty nineteen uh in, in that game. Uh twenty-six stopped twenty-six of thirty, but the goal from Timo Meyer and the goal from Carlson, like, that can't happen. Like, Meyer's goal, basically at the boards, just kind of threw it on net and ends up in the back of the the goal. Like, that's – you got to have that stop. And then Eric Carlson, granted, that was off of a Matthews turnover in his own zone, which also the final goal, the empty netter came off for turnover as well. But that also cannot happen. Like, I think I saw uh, the average goal from San Jose – was scored from 30 feet out of the net, like 27 feet from the net.
1: Yeah, like there wasn't other than that uh the first goal of the third
0: period. Yeah, Couture, well Couture's goal was right in front, the first one off the wraparound basically, the rebound. And then yeah, Dolan's goal. And Dolan's goal. Like other than that, yeah,
1: you that's what you're supposed to do as a def as you know, when you're defending, limit the chances in front, get the yeah. guys to the outside, and don't get beat on odd man rushes. That was the issue with the Pittsburgh game. In this game, oh. it was – I had to bring it up because it's it's, it's burned in our mind We'll man. talk about it. We'll talk about it. No but worry. But I think with – yeah, with that Sharks game, it was – it was also like, they, you know, Andre um, Kasha's goal gives them a little bit of life. Okay, things are going. And then, we'll have, yeah, the Carlson goal almost just like – Deflates yeah, it. Yeah. It, it takes away any momentum you have. And, yeah, the Car- – you know what? The Carlson shot was a nice shot, but that guy had every opportunity to take that shot. There was no pressure to get to the guy. Uh, Hutchinson got beat, and you know you like to see the goalie have one one of those. But yeah, it's it's just one of those things where it's it's becoming a little too easy. You know, the turnovers are the probably the worst part. Like I even look back to the Rangers game. Uh, the first goal um, was a Banajad. Yeah off a of turnover you're 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 putting your goalie in such a tough spot when he's got little time to react to a play like that like you know if you turn the if you turn the puck over you got to do whatever you can to make sure that you're making up for it even even after the goal so uh yeah i think that's the problem is just the, the, it's just it's not blame, but it's just it's carelessness you know like you you gotta have a little more awareness with what you're doing and 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 show a little urgency when you are in your own zone you got to make the right play and not just make the lazy play
0: well and and the thing that's really annoying is the fact that um like sheldon keith preaches like he wants to play hockey with purpose and this weekend like especially saturday there was no purpose to anything that was going on like i didn't see any crisp tape to tape passing it was sloppy they were just, you know, throwing the puck down the ice without any real plan, they were giving the puck up, allowing odd man rushes the other way. It was just purposeless hockey. And that's not the identity that this team is trying to play with. And I, I, I think that's also a bit of an issue with this team. And this has been an issue for years now. Like, what is this team's identity? And like, is this the biggest thing that's plaguing them, the fact that there is no legitimate identity and it just seems like there's too many individualistic ideals on the squad to really like come through and and play as a team. Like this is, this is now going on probably year three where they have not been able to establish an identity. And I wonder if that's what is really at the end of the day, plaguing this team.
1: I I, I would agree with that. I, I think, I think the guys that are supposed to, supposed to be the top performers, they're not following the script. They're kind of going off script a little bit too much where, you know, again, I I, I look at that. There's a reason why Sheldon Key was playing that fourth line out because they seem to be the only one that was kind of playing with some purpose or kind of doing things that you need to do. You know, you capped, you know, bang, rang around bodies, get, you know, open yourself up for chances for check, get like There's, you gotta have, some of us have an idea of how you want to enter the zone, how you want to cycle the puck, how you want to get yourself into scoring areas. I'm not seeing that from the top, from the top line. So I, I, like, that's why I think a lot of people, when they saw that the lineup was the same for Saturday's game, they're like, well, what, what's, that, what's that going to do, right? Even just for one game where you just you move all of them away from each other just to get, do something different.
0: Are we at the point now, do you think, where going into tonight's game against Carolina, do you split up that top six? Does does Marner drop back down with Tavares and Neilander go back up to to Matthews? Are we – have we reached that point where – you know, it's just for whatever reason, they need a shakeup. It's not that it's not working. They just need a shakeup. They just need a different look and, and something needs to, to change. And it's not like we're going to get a trade anytime soon to shake things up. So at least juggle the lines a little bit. You know, I, I just wonder how much you can. I think, yes, first and foremost, they
1: have to do something different because just running the same thing again just says we're not really looking to make anything drastic. We're not really addressing
0: the issue. We're just kind of hoping we'll get out of it. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, Dave. Like, pull back a little bit. Macro. Is that not exactly what they did this season? They ran it back. Yeah, they're that was trusting, my bad. They're trusting in this core so deeply that they are are almost hurting themselves. Now, we're only six games in. They can figure it out, I'm sure. Like, the... The, there are good pieces there, and we have seen good, strong play. The, like the game against the Rangers, like they should have won that game. They played well. They got the chances. They got goalied. There was that one game against Ottawa, too. Where they lost 3-2, but Anton Forsberg stood on his head. They should have won that game as well. So it's not like it's been complete incompetency despite the sub-500 record, but for whatever reason, it's just it's not going well, and I just feel like you know, Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas keep trying to trust the process, but at what point do we just acknowledge that the puck isn't bouncing our way. And sometimes you got to take matters into your own hands a little bit and shake things up. I don't think we're going to see a trade, but at least make a couple line changes.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? We're, we're, you know, you'll consistently hear that the reason why certain changes were made were because of the sour cap. Okay. Well, then why are you trying to trying to do the same thing and accept, expect a different result? You know, you're right. The Rangers game, they looked really good. Mm-hmm. The auto game, they looked really good. But at the same time, how many times have we seen them look really good and not get the results? Maybe it's because, you know, mentally there's something not clicking there. When things aren't going their way, it's it just seems like they're – They got that excuse built up that, all right, well, we tried our best, but we just got goalie. Well, you know, you kind of have to turn the narrative around in some regard. And, you know, people are saying it's just six games. It's just this. I'm like, well, it's the same. As you said, it's the same group that was brought back. So it's not just these six games. It's the six games plus the seven games in the playoffs. Because if you look at the lineup, pretty much identical. (laughs) The way they play. Pretty much identical. Like it's nothing new, so it's either gotta come from the coaching staff where they have to change how their game plan is being done, which you're not gonna expect on a road trip with limited practice time. So it's gotta be the way in. It's you got, to, you got to it. You gotta do with your players, and what's the best way to do with your players? Change things up. Change things up on defense. Change things up in your top six. You gotta do it because. You need to tell a team that the way things are going right now are just not good enough, and we can't continue with it.
0: Um, your thoughts on this power play so far? Uh, there was so much scrutiny through it last year towards the end of the season, and it's the, the, the lack of success has also carried over here into this season um, and this weekend. It's just like they got nothing going. Like absolutely nothing going. The second unit looks better than the first. Like how? Why? How is that? Why is that? What is wrong here, man? I don't understand it. I really don't. So I look
1: at, you know, they they the a lot of reporters say what the Leafs are doing in practice and like things they're working on. Why on the world is the power play practicing five on zero? Why are they just practicing with a goalie? that's not how you simulate what's happening in the game. I think even uh, there was, um, I think it's Jack Han on Twitter kind of mentioned this as well. Like, that's not how you practice. That's not the game situation. And I'm looking at this power play, and nobody nobody wants to put the puck in the areas that you need to generate the scoring chances. I look back uh, the very first time Tavares was with the Leafs. It was the last preseason game in Detroit. I was there. I took my phone out for a power play because I said – Pretty good opportunity they're going to score here because back to the day, they actually used to score on those power plays. Dude, it wasn't that
0: long ago. It was the first half of last year. They were operating at a 40% click, and then it just went cold. And it's just continued through to the playoffs, and then it's continued even here. They were thinking, okay, Matthews isn't here for the first few games. We'll give it a few more games, see if something clicks with this new unit with Marner in the bumper role. You've got a couple of shooters now with Nylander and and Matthews on the flanks, but still no real threat of, of, of opportunity here, of chances. I just – and. How like I don't like Marner in the bumper role. I think I talked about this before, actually, on the podcast. Um, I'm I'm not sold this is gonna this is gonna work. I I, for the power play, I almost want them to move to like a five forward unit, move off Morgan Riley, and then move to a five forward unit and have Marner quarterback the power play. His skill set's being wasted, just withering away in the bumper role given that Toronto doesn't utilize it as an offensive weapon. Like, there are some some uh, teams out there that utilize the bumper roll offensively and, and use it as, like, a core piece of the power play. It doesn't seem like Toronto wants to do much of that. A lot of it comes from Riley up at the point, and he's either feeding it to Matthews or, or Nylander. Like, that's essentially, and they keep it around the perimeter. That's basically how this power play has been going. And it's wasting a guy who has, like, immense skill like mitch marner just withering away in the bumper
1: like you think about when was marner at his best on the power play it wasn't in a bumper role you know i actually think his best position might be either on the left side you know where he can feed the puck to guys that are in that bumper spot or you put him behind the net and you try to you know get other guys to move around they, they, there's, there has Marner's skill set is all about playmaking and finding the guys in open space or finding guys in in high dangerous areas. That's not going to happen in the bumper slot. Matthews is not meant to be a playmaker. Tavares has got a pretty decent shot. So why aren't they utilizing that more? Why aren't they utilizing? Get Matthews in a place where he can be more of a a threat. You know, they they switch him and Tavares around not too long ago to try to get Matthews with that one-timer get Tavares I've seen Tavares have be more effective with that one timer on the power play back when Babcock was around you got you have to do something different there because not having a good power play means you're getting frustrated that you didn't get those scoring chances when things are a little bit easier for you and it's going to bleed into how you play at five on five
0: yeah yeah um a couple other little notables, and then we'll kind of tee up tonight's game against the Hurricanes. Um, when it comes to the offense, can you believe that Jason Spezza is his team's leading goal scorer right now?
1: Why? Well, I, I like you don't expect it.
0: But how? Like, but the next question is like, how big of a problem is that? That Jason problem. Spezza who plays 12 minutes a game, is leading your team with three goals on the season.
1: It's a massive problem because it just means that he's the only one that's willing to put in the hard work to get. You've seen the goals he's scored. They're not all fancy goals. They're goals in areas that you expect guys to score in. Like, I, I think, yes, Jason is older. He's not the same Jason Spezza that we remember from when he was with Ottawa. But he, I think right now... If you're if you're Sheldon Keith, this is the guy that's leading by example, probably really the only guy that's leading by example consistently every night. So you gotta maybe bump I would say maybe you bump him up and you know you say, Hey, Jason, you played well. We're gonna give you a bigger role. Somebody else who's not performing, you're gonna move down. Like you I think you're you're getting to that point where you're you gotta start rewarding the guys that are doing well because then it's going to maybe give the other guys a kick in the butt to say, all right. We, we got to follow Jason's lead more, not just throwing Jason Spetz out 12 minutes tonight. I don't. Maybe maybe they don't want to put Spetz out more than 12 minutes tonight. But
0: I I just my, I'm like my question is, and I guess it it's better than what we're getting for you know 15 16 minutes out of out of Nick Ritchie. But you know it, it, what makes Spetsa so great is when you put him only have him out there for 12 minutes you know, he's a beast for 12 minutes. If you extend him a little bit more, maybe he loses his touch a little bit being 38 years old. Um, But I mean, it might be worth, worth a shot, right? Like if you move bunting up to the top line, maybe you put Spets on that line with Tavares and Nylander. Like maybe that is, is, is the move that you make, or perhaps you put Spets up on that bumper roll um, on the power play. Like that's how you get him, you know, get him going, get him into, into a little bit more ice time, Um, maybe he can settle things down on the power play. Like, I I just, I think there, there are ways to get Jason Spezza some, some more time. I just not so certain that they want to do that because of how effective he's been in such a, you know, by not playing him a lot, allowing him to really go like pedal to the metal in the 12 minutes that he's out there. I I think you can even
1: manage. uh, I mean, yes, you don't want to make him play 17, 18 minutes. That's way too much for Jason Spezza. But there are ways that you can get him out there playing the similar misses he's had, but maybe in more in areas that are probably going to be a little more effective than what he's doing right now. Yeah, because right now the fourth line is probably is capitalizing on having, you know, the easier matchups or the matchups that you don't want to throw out against the top line. So maybe if you move him or if you move someone else into his spot, maybe they get going a little bit, get their confidence going. I, I think you can manage. You can manage Spetz's minutes a certain way. Um, but, yes, we don't want to say Jason Spetz, a top-line winger, playing 18, 19 minutes a night. That's, that's just not a recipe for success.
0: No, no. Um, we will spend a couple minutes here talking about this Pittsburgh game um, just before we move on to tonight's matchup against Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I, I, this this was just an embarrassment, an absolute embarrassment. I Like, did anyone – Play particularly well, like this is this was Jack Campbell. I believe his worst game in a Toronto Maple Leaf sweater. Um, he didn't look particularly good. That said, there were a lot of like they left him out high and dry. There were so many odd man rushes, so many turnovers. Um, like Alex Kerfoot, yeesh, did he ever have a brutal game?
1: Well, and this is the this is the issue, right? It's like okay, if you're not getting things going offensively then you better commit yourself to being a lot better defensively. And don't just be – like. you saw how many odd man rushes, how many odd man chances. I, I, the fact that game was only 7-1, the Leafs are fortunate. I'm sorry, but it could have been a lot worse than 7-1. There were missed opportunities from Pittsburgh's end.
0: Pittsburgh should know better. But Well, here's the thing with Pittsburgh, right? So we – this is why it was so frustrating. Honestly, this is why this whole weekend was so frustrating. Optically, these both should have been pretty easy victories for Toronto. A, they are the better team like on paper. And what does on paper mean these days? Absolutely nothing, clearly. But, you know, they have the better roster. And on top of all of that, you look at the game against San Jose. I already mentioned it. They were coming off. The, it's It was their third day in four nights. They're on night-to-back-to-back, and they had just played Ottawa, a pretty hard, stingy team to play against. You'd think that that the Leafs would have had fresh legs after being off for three full days and then getting a game in that they should have been able to go out there and beat a a team that's just not as good at the end of the day. And then the Penguins – The Penguins make matters worse. The next night, they go out and they play a Penguin squad that's missing Sidney Crosby, that's missing Evgeny Malkin, that's missing Brian Russ, that's missing Chris Letang, and they go out and lay the biggest egg. Guys like Drew O'Connor looking like Mario Lemieux out there. Marcus Pedersen looking like Bobby Orr. Marcus Pedersen was on the ice for, I think, five goals last night five goals the other night he was uh yeah plus five on the ice for five of those goals in less than 18 minutes of play like
1: but i was the game but mike that was a game that with all those guys out what was the narrative going into it uh we could see the Leafs losing this one because it looks too good to be
0: true Oh, well, because they always lose that one yeah they, they, they fell always, into the narrative and that's the problem though like the good teams beat the teams that they need that they need to like the good teams win the games that they need to win. That's what they do. And, and they've done Toronto, that. They did
1: that last year. That's everybody. the part, that's the part that bothers me is that last when you look at the North Division, there were some pretty terrible teams in that division, and the Leafs made them pay for it. When Vancouver was slumping big time, the Leafs were like the Leafs were going after them. Remember, the Leafs were but, playing against Vancouver coming league, off the COVID break, and what
0: happened? They, they lost, lost that game. That, exactly. They lost that game. And they also lost. Like, remember, they were up 5 1 on Ottawa, lost that game. They lost a couple to Montreal in this regular season. They lost to the Senators a few times. Like, they, the Leafs always have this problem where they play down to their opponents and they play up to their opponents. And it's, it it goes back to the lack of identity. They don't have their own game. They let the opponents control the game all the time. And then they're stuck, caught playing from behind. And then this is what happens, right? This is exactly what happens like I, I'm just perplexed that this squad that they rolled out there for Pittsburgh, basically the Wilkes bar Scranton penguins just put up a touchdown on the Toronto Maple Leafs, a squad. Yeah, it's insane. Like, it is absolutely insane that that happened. Like I said, dude, listen, look at the, like, look at the, the guys who score Evan Rodriguez had a couple of points. Drew Connor had two goals. Marcus Petterson had three points. He was a plus five. Like, it's Kasperi captain in a couple of points, Danton Heinen had a couple of points on the flip side. You, you take a look at the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, like Hull and Muzzin like, dude, how concerned are you over Jake Muzzin and, and Justin Hall right now? Both of those at dash three last night, giving away, giving up pucks, um, you know, left, right, and center all season long. They have not looked good. Muzzin Muzzin to me looks slow. He looks like his age is catching up to him a little bit. And, I've I'm wondering, is this just, you know, because he's 32 now, it's just taking, you know, a couple of weeks to get his legs under him? Or has he finally kind of hit that point where he the, the 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 legs are starting to go and his game is starting to fade? Like I'm now at that point where we're six games into the season. This has been a, a six-game stretch where he has not looked good. How concerned are you for this Maple Leafs team if he can't get it going because that second line that shutdown pairing of him and and of Hall and Muzzin are only effective if Muzzin's going we all know that Justin Hall is not a top four defenseman Justin Hall is only a top four defenseman when he is when he is elevated by his partner which is something that Jake Muzzin has been able to do over the last couple of seasons which is fantastic and it has worked for the Maple Leafs but it will no longer, if Muzzin can't do that, and if he is losing his man, if he's giving the puck up, if he's getting beat to pucks, and he's not able to win a lot more battles that he was winning before, and this is becoming a growing, concerning theme here, trend here early on in the year.
1: I I've been saying that Justin Hall has is starting to drag down Jake Muzzin for the little last little bit. Like the fact that the Leafs Kyle Dubas came out and said where are you going to find a defenseman that plays the role that Justin Hall does at the price that Justin Hall plays? I said, well, if you use one of your younger guys, like a Timothy Lilligran that is eager and fighting for that opportunity to show what that he, why you took him as a first round pick, maybe you would think differently about Justin Hall and his role. Justin Hall, third pairing defenseman. I'm okay with that. Second pairing defenseman. I have never been okay with that. Yes, he's had good games against Conor McDavid, and everybody points out to that. But I think Jake Muzzin has also had something to say about that as well. And the fact that the Leafs went out of their way to protect guys like Justin Hall and Alexander Kerfoot when they had for, for the expansion draft, and I'm looking at the guy they let go in, Jared McCann, who I actually think would have been a better option than all three of them.
0: Well, they didn't protect Kerfoot. They let Kerfoot go. Well, they they but Seattle chose McCann over Kerfoot. Yeah, because McCann was the better option. Well, yes, exactly. But I mean, I don't, I don't want to rehash that because I, even back at at the time, I was very much like, yeah, let's keep Justin Hall because it had worked, like it was working because Jake Muzzin was playing at such an elite level. But now that that play is starting to drop off, like Hall is getting exposed, and you take a look back the last two the last two playoffs, right? Like when, when Muzzin went down in in Columbus and then he went down last year after the, in game six, like I recall, I think it was Tyler Toffoli who legitimately said this to media. He said the second Jake Muzzin went down and got hurt. He knew they were in trouble. knew we were going to win that series. Yeah. That was, they had to win two more games and they were like, oh yeah, M- Muzzin's gone. We got this. So exactly. Muzzin is real, is, is, is the almost like the heartbeat of this team in a sense of if he's playing well the team has a chance to win if they're not if he's not this team has a a, an uphill climb and when the offense isn't clicking the way that it hasn't been right now that top six especially this is how we end up with five three and seven one losses to the san jose sharks and the pittsburgh penguins and these aren't the – sorry, the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins, not even the Pittsburgh Penguins, the AHL club, because that's essentially what they lost to Saturday night.
1: This is this is where I think it's the perfect opportunity for – you know what? Let's prove it's not just um, – that it's not Muzzin's fault, that things have not been going the way they have. Take Justin Hall off that pairing. See what happens. I guarantee you probably will see something better. So, I actually think so.
0: All right, let's let's uh, let's now pull a Jalen Hurts, flush this deuce down the toilet, and 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 don't look at it, flush it, and let's move on. Because um, tonight they're going to Carolina, and it's an interesting game for a couple of reasons. Uh, a, the Hurricanes are an extremely talented team, like poised for success this season. I I have been pegged right now to be the the division winners and potentially compete here for a Stanley Cup this season. I've got a futures bet over on betonline.ag for the Stanley Cup to, to go to the Carolina Hurricanes. I've also got them as the division winners. But B, and I think this is probably the more important one here to Leafs Nation, this has Freddie Anderson revenge game written all over it. And I don't know the way things are going right now for, for Leafs nation, if they can handle taking an L from Freddie Anderson, like the, 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 the the fan base is already so divided and split on like the way that Kyle Dubas has done things over the last couple of couple of years. And one of them was letting go of Freddie Anderson. Like I have, I have an uncle, more of an old school thinker, old school kind of guy who believes in a true number one. He believes in toughness and all that. So you can imagine how he has not been happy with Kyle Dubas's the way that Kyle Dubas has gone gone and done things. And he really, really did not like the fact that they let Freddie Anderson go. And he's throwing it in my face. He's texting me Freddie Anderson's stat line going into this game. And he's like, oh yeah, the Leafs would love to use this guy. Not someone like Jack Campbell, who's given up five goals to an AHL team or Michael Hutchinson who got ousted uh, who got burned by the, the San Jose Sharks, or Peter Morazic, who lasted 40 minutes. Instead, Freddie Anderson takes off, takes his talents to Carolina. He's 4-0 this season with a 175 goals against and a 944 save percentage.
1: So here here's my thing about the Anderson move. You listen to the comments from going into the season about him leaving Toronto. This sounded like a guy who was almost done with Toronto mentally. Just It was just, you know, the injuries, yes. The injuries, I will give last year on injuries when you have watched the All or Nothing series and you see like he was, you know, they, they, they weren't holding him back because of performance. They were holding him back because he wasn't playing right. Because they they had high hopes for, for Anderson. Like, so, I, I think mentally he was just done with, you know, the way that things work in Toronto. And, you know, it's not an easy market to play in. Carolina is not like Toronto. And if we've splashed this Carolina team play in front of a Zamboni driver as if he is a Vesna Trophy winner, I think Freddie Anderson will do quite well in Carolina. I said, when I saw he signed that, I'm like, yep, that makes sense. That's actually the team when people are thinking about, oh, should the Leafs trade Freddie Anderson? I said, well, if I'm Carolina, I'm jumping all over that. That's yeah. the guy, like having a bona fide number one guy. Like that's something Carolina has
0: always been wanting. Well, it's it's something that we shouldn't be that surprised about because for years, when Toronto's defense has been putridly awful, you know, we've Leafs Nation has always said, like our hockey minds have always said, like if you got Freddie Anderson out of Toronto and you put a steady defensive core in front of him, a, a good systems team that didn't allow a lot and allowed Freddie to see pucks and and not allow many, many rebounds, or at least a team that clears rebounds out, Freddie will have a a good, good season. He will have a good year. He will play well. And Carolina was always that team with a really strong defense that people circled and said, under this system and with this team, Freddie would play well, and now we're seeing it play out. It's early still, but, I mean, Freddie – a 175 goals against and on 944 save percentage. Um, He's, you know, he's, he's poised to have a good season here with a very strong team in front of him.
1: There's also two things I'll mention quickly about that. This reminds me of when he was back in Anaheim playing in front of a really good ducks team. That was a Stanley cup contender, Mm -hmm. you know, and what was the thing about Freddie? As soon as he came to Toronto, he was terrible in the month of October brutal
0: <laughs> oh man this, is, this even... is
1: when you read those numbers i'm like i've I never mean... seen that's a that's november that's december freddy that's not october freddy and that i think
0: dude you, i didn't even oh, think about that you just tore my heart in two. Yeah. the fact that the fact that freddy notoriously has slow starts and he's already gone out there and he's playing like this i mean oh dude that is so annoying
1: <laughs> That's why I I fully expect him to have one. I mean, one or two things is going to happen. He's going either going to have a really good game, the Leafs are going to lose, or the Leafs finally wake up and he just doesn't have a good game. Like well, it's one of those two. I don't think it, it's going to be, you know, he plays all right, and it's about. I, I think one. It's going to be one extreme or the other going into this game.
0: Well, it's, the 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 thing is like so. The Maple Leafs know Freddie's weaknesses right so are they going to be able to poke holes at those or is Carolina going to do a good enough job to not allow them it's it's like you know like this is going to be the the chess game that's going to have to go on throughout the night and I mean you like you take a look at this matchup Carolina to me Carolina is the better team Carolina probably will win this game and they probably should win this game especially the way that Toronto's playing right now but I mean, you even look at special teams, like they're third in the league on the power play, sixth on the on the penalty kill. They are fourth in face-off percentage, although the Maple Leafs do win that one a little bit. They've been good in the draws at 56.5%. They're averaging four and a half goals a game, four and a half goals a game. So not only are they getting the, the goaltending from Freddie Anderson, but they're also getting the scoring from up front, which is what's not happening here in Toronto. Like, their big guys are scoring. Sebastian Ajo, he's got six points through four games, right? Like, they are getting offense from everywhere. Jordan Stahl's got four points. Svechnikov's got four goals in four games. Tara in six points. Trocek, five points. Like, they're, they lost Dougie, uh, Dougie Hamilton, but guess who also is averaging a point per game so far early in the year?
1: <laughs>
0: Tony D'Angelo. Tony freaking D'Angelo is going over there and averaging a point per game with them. Um, it's just everything's going so right in Carolina right now uh, that Toronto, everything going so wrong. It's a bad time for, for the Maple Leafs to have to roll into Raleigh and take on Freddie Anderson in the Hurricanes. Bad, bad time, man.
1: And I'm just wondering if maybe – we, we talk about how the Leafs don't rise to the occasion against bad teams. Maybe you see the reverse yeah. happen. But
0: that's what you're hoping. You're, you, you are cool. hoping that. Like, this could be yeah. – We don't expect
1: it to happen. We're hoping it happens. There's right.
0: Exactly. Well, at this point, you can't expect anything because anytime you expect for the team to go out and do something positive, they don't. <laughs> that's the issue. We expected them to beat the Sharks team that was coming in, playing three games and four nights on night two of it back-to-back they got ran around the rink and then the same thing happened the next night against the Scranton AHL squad and they lost 7-1 got pumped so i, I don't want to have any expectations for this game i guess um just because anytime i have some expectations they seem to always get uh i end up heartbroken at the end of the day basically
1: well, and that's the thing right you know this is this is a team as you said carolina that's a really good team they're not going to go easy on the leaves So maybe this is – maybe Sheldon Keefe is just going to say, hey, you play like you did on Saturday night, this team is going to do even worse than what Pittsburgh did because they are the better team on paper. And, yeah, Carolina, like Rob Rindamore, you know for a fact that team knows what this game means to Frederick Anderson. And you know that that team is not – like if the Leafs come out flat to start, Carolina is gonna love that. They're gonna salivate over that. They're gonna take every opportunity, yeah. to, to to take advantage. So if I'm Sheldon Keith, you're telling this this Leafs team, we cannot let in that first goal. No, that, that can, cannot happen. And <laughs> it can't. And it can't happen by being passive. And it can't happen by being you know overly cautious. It means you got to be the one to dictate the pace right off the
0: hop. So what are your three, three keys to victory for the Maple Leafs tonight? What do they have to do to get the win? I think you got it. you have to establish your, the
1: forecheck and zone time early, and you got to get you got to get you know what if you look if, uh, so that's the first one. second one, get a body in front of Frederick Jansen because we've yeah. seen that he's susceptible to goals that he just can't see. You know he's very athletic, but trying to look through screens, not really his thing and i'm gonna say the power play because i think carolina will give them opportunities on the power play you gotta bury one you got you you can't be going zero for three oh for four consistently the power play needs to step up in this one
0: yeah absolutely i i'm i'm with you man those those are literally my same three keys just special teams establish some sort of four check establish zone time but But don't just keep it all to the outside, like go inside stuff that they were doing against the Ottawa senators and did pretty well against the, the New York Rangers. Get back to that. You know, like this past weekend was a a little bit more of an anomaly than what they've done through the whole season, but it's just, it just, that can't happen again, man. This can't happen again. Three games in a row, is not something that uh, that the Leafs can really can really afford at this point in the season. Um, the thing that I think you could look at though and say why the Maple Leafs aren't in as dire situation as maybe we all are making it seem is the fact that like look at the the shooting percentage of everybody. Yeah. Like M- Matthews specifically, without a goal, he's got 17 shots on net, on that hasn't scored. Right, like this is someone who usually score has scores at a fourteen, fifteen, sixteen percent clip. He's yeah. yet to break break through. It, it's gonna happen. Mitch Marner, same thing. It's gonna happen. Um, Tavares, it's gonna happen. They've just had incredibly unlucky bounces, unlucky plays. They've been goalied a couple of times, and you know, just as an optimistic viewpoint i suppose this is what this is but at the end of the day the process is only as good as its results and they've been awful as of late so i don't know
1: and and you maybe there's got to be tweaks to your process and there has to you know if you're not if they're not getting the shooting luck that they're that they had come to expect good teams good good players make their own luck some ways and i think you just got to I like that, you know, the, some of the Pittsburgh goals, they weren't all nice goals. They were just simple goals, simple chances. You got to, you, you know, how many – I don't even think I've seen the Leafs score a goal off the rush, really, if you look at the, like, you know. If, you can include Andre Cash's goal the other night. Well, that's a breakaway. Yeah. Like, but, like, I'm, I'm talking about, like, you know, a three-on-two. Even those odd man rushes.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
1: Like, you know –
0: yeah, I mean bunt even buntings like he stopped up. It's not like it was, yeah.
1: Like those types of chances get the defense on their heels. You know, make them panic a little bit. Don't let the defense get set. Really take like I think there was the there was one chance in the San Jose game where Tavares was breaking in and he did that drop back pass to Matthews. Mhm. Those chances more likely or not are going to ha- turn out in better favor for you guys when you have the numbers and you have open lanes to the net rather than letting you know fi- the the opposing team go five collapse deep and just make you try to beat the, beat them from the outside so i think you got you have to force the defense to you got to make your own luck you got to do things a little different you got to be a little more a um, little more selfish in some regards too not just passing it off too much like be a little bit selfish sometimes quickly and-
0: quickly uh we will we'll wrap this thing up Is there any – what if you were Sheldon Keefe, uh, what's the lineup look like tonight? You making some changes? I think you make –
1: like, it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't, but I think you have to. I think you move Matthews and Marner because those are the two guys you need to get going because if they're not performing, if they're not producing, you're not going to get the results. There's only so much that you can expect the rest of the lineup to do. So, you know – I think you try to move Matthews and Marner. You maybe just flip Neilander and Marner just for just, just to say, we're going to do it for one night. We're going to see if it yields a different result. And if it does, run it out a little bit more. And then maybe you can revisit Matthews and Marner later in the year when things are kind of calmed down a little bit.
0: That third line got, uh, got torched a little bit. Yeah. In their defensive end against Pittsburgh. I almost feel like in Kerfoot – just was brutal like three giveaways that legitimately turned into goals um i almost wonder if and this is this is how i think i would i would do things right now bunting matthews nylander Mm -hmm. kerfoot tavares marner okay move Engvall back into that third line just because it worked at times, <laughs> it worked in the first game, I guess. And then go, uh, you know, Camp and Kasha, and then, uh, I guess, Richie. Oh, man, honestly, I might even take Richie out of, out of the lineup. No, you can't do that. Probably go Richie, Spezza, and uh, – I. And I would – Actually, you know was- what? You know what I would do? You know what I would do? I would probably put Simmons up on the third line and then have it be Engvall, Spezza, and, and Nick Ritchie. I don't want – like, ideally, I just don't need that little – I need somebody who has some speed on the fourth line. Oh, that's fair. So I just don't want to have Ritchie, Spezza, and Simmons because it's going to be the same as when Amadia was there, which wasn't great.
1: Yeah, I think you. I think Simmons has earned an opportunity to move up, but he's he's not as slow. You know, he's got a little bit of kick to him right now. So, yeah, maybe he's got the fr- – he's got – early season legs use that yeah
0: yeah I think that's the guy who I maybe move up into the third line um over Engvall and, and and just see what it looks like man like they've got to do some line juggling uh like potentially even maybe even give Hall like scratch Hall man maybe give him give him a night to to sit up in the press box and regain his thoughts Maybe you move Lilligren up into that spot again, or maybe you move Dermot up there, and then have Lilligren and Sandine, you know, as a third pair. I've one of the like lone bright spots of the season so far to me, outside of Michael Bunting, has been Rasmus Sandine. So you know, not so the Sandine Dermot pairing, I think, has done well. So maybe you don't touch that. Maybe you do try Lilligren up there, but um, something something needs to change here. And it's not going to be a trade. Don't think we're going to see the coach get fired by the time uh, by the time puck drop comes, or the GM. So the only change that can really happen is is the lineup card, and hopefully we see it. Hopefully we see it. Uh, okay. Really, really quickly. Um, funny enough, uh, just taking a look at the the odds here, the betting odds at BetOnline.ag. Uh, this is currently a pick'em game on the money line, a pick'em between the Maple Leafs. And the hurricanes. So uh,
1: That's when you know things are kind of in a rough spot when you can't you can't even really give one or the other.
0: Well, I'm just actually surprised. Like this is just public money, man. That's what that is. Like yeah. because the Leafs are a public team, they're giving them the benefit of the doubt by giving them a little bit better odds. So this may actually be like good value on, on the hurricanes at minus one ten here. <laughs> Um, the over would be minus one ten as well, uh, and the Maple Leafs actually have the puck line right now minus one and a half at plus two thirty three, two thirty five. Uh, I don't know if that's something that I'd be willing to go through. So, but those are the betting numbers. Those are the betting lines. If you do want to go and partake in that, uh, I'm not sure I will be betting in that game just because can't get a good read on it, man. Can't get a good read on it. Anyways, we'll uh, we'll wrap this thing up right here. Dave, really appreciate it, as always. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me.
1: Well, thank you for having me, even under these really, 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 really bad circumstances.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it all turns around tonight. Uh, but that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leaves content. Follow myself on Twitter at me underscore canuck. Follow the show at lockdown Leafs. Follow Dave at d underscore morosudi. Uh, I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. We'll be uh, recapping the game against the Carolina Hurricanes. Hopefully, it's got a little bit more of a positive tone than today's episode. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.